0: When we got married, you know, Pam was the, the tither. I probably was a little bit here and there. And um, and so it was like, okay, we're in this together. We're gonna, we're gonna tithe. And, and uh, I mean, we've done it uh, for our whole married life.
1: We basically lived on a one income. When we got married, I was going to school. And even in that, looking back, we still tithed, you know? Uh, We were probably paycheck to paycheck, but looking back, we see so many amazing things that Mm -hmm. took place.
0: You know, we're looking at this advance and we're saying, okay, well, here's that amount. It seems like a lot. But when you look back, you say, wow, that wasn't that much. But it does take work. You do have to be aggressive on it. You have to say that's our mission. That's what what our plan is. And we're gonna go after it, and we're gonna get it done. You know, the excitement about, hey, we're reaching out to Africa. We're going to Russia. We're going to Moldova. We're going to wherever. You know, we're not just here. We're out there. And I think that's given me the excitement like, When you give money, it's not, hey, let's just put 25 cents in the relief fund for this week. It's like, wow, they're they're actually going out. And that, for me, was the exciting part of seeing that, hey, we're not the small group here. We're part of a bigger group. Why now for Elma? I just think that all the plans are in place. You know, I think God has prepared the people Uh, for this, it's more about your heart. If you have a giving heart, you want to give. We don't want to hold on so tight. I've heard in the past, you know, we hold on to things tightly. God wants us to hold on to it loosely and to give it.
1: Well, a big thank you to, to Greg and Pam. They have worked it through in their lives, and that's what we're all doing. Uh, today, we're in the third in the series. If you've got your books with you, it should be on page 25, where you'd be able to take some notes. Here's what we need to understand. We've been talking about how Nehemiah uh, heard from God. He had this passion to restore the walls in Jerusalem as part of God's call to redeem Jerusalem back to himself. And we've talked about how that is our initiative to advance the gospel in this county, in Gratiot County, and throughout mid-Michigan, that that's our call. And we know that God will supply, because that's what happened for Nehemiah. As he came down into Jerusalem, the people there began to gather around him, and he spoke to them and told them, this is what God is requiring of us. To be a generous people with our time, with our talents, with our tithes. And, and it was happening. But So as we arrive today at the next thing that happens with Nehemiah is we come to this point of opposition. You see, this, this is a war. Whenever you are fending for souls, whenever you are called in your own lives to communicate, the saving work of Jesus Christ to a dying world, whether it's on an individual basis or whether it's to larger groups, opposition is going to rise up. Opposition is going to say, what are you doing? Why are you thinking you can go to Alma? Why do you think you can do more here and and help people who have addictive behaviors? Why do you think you can reach out into the world even more than you're doing now? Why are you deluding yourselves with these thoughts? That's what the enemy will say. Because it is a battle of light versus dark. It's a battle of the light of Jesus Christ coming into the world, and the darkness could not comprehend it. They couldn't understand the truth that's being told, and that's the world in which you and I live. We're going to be told... Don't do these things. Don't worry about advancing the gospel. Don't be concerned. You're fine right where you are. Why don't you just mind this business and let's have us four no more close the door. Everything will be fine. That's the opposition we're going to come up against. So today, we're going to talk about three strategies of this opposition and how we are to to defend ourselves and actually to go from defense to offense how we are to move ahead in the advance of the gospel that God's called us to do. God said, Nehemiah, build the wall. He said, Community Church, advance my kingdom. Nehemiah did it and we're doing it. Let's see what we're up against. First of all, you will be opposed. We're reading from Nehemiah chapter 4, the first three verses, and then the eighth verse. When Sanballat, and you know that was his greatest nemesis, his enemy outside the walls, heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became angry and was greatly incensed. He ridiculed the Jews, and in the presence of his associates and the army of Samaria, he said, what are those feeble Jews doing? Will they restore their wall? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they finish in a day? Can they bring the stones back to life from those heaps of rubble burned as they are? Tobiah, the Ammonite who was at his side, said, what they are building, even a fox climbing up on it would break down their wall of stones. And then in verse 8, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Should we be surprised that you are going to have opposition, I'm going to have opposition, in what we believe God's calling us to accomplish through this advance initiative? Yes, we should be surprised in the sense that it happened to Jesus. See, if, if Christ faced opposition from the very beginning, why would we not face that same opposition his public ministry began right after he was confronted by the devil himself the supreme opposer he met him in the wilderness and in that wilderness he challenged him and he offered him another way but jesus said no This is what the Father has told me to do. And he took the word of God and he defeated Satan in that particular setting right then and there. He said, I'm going to follow the word of my Father. I'm not going to follow what you're saying. So Jesus was opposed. And then when he came out of that wilderness and he was baptized in the Holy Spirit and he began his public ministry, he was opposed by the very ones to whom he was sent, his own people, the Jews. Don't think it unthinkable that somebody's going to oppose you from among your friends and your family. They're going to say, why are you doing this? Why are you wasting your money and your time? There are better things you could be doing. But Jesus stuck to what God had called him to do. And then he was opposed by Rome. He was opposed by those outside the faith. Because opposition will always come. When God calls, Satan rises up. He always does. As soon as you know for sure there's a call on you that God wants you to do something. When you started praying about advance, when you first looked at that card and, and said, well, if I have an encounter with God, it's going to cost me something. Yes. It cost him everything. gave his own son in order to redeem you and me. But as we move into this, don't get discouraged because when God calls you, God is ready to deliver you in every situation so that he can achieve his purpose. I had only known Jesus for a year and a half when the elders of the church said, you need to go to seminary. You know what my response was? That's great. What seminary? I had no idea. I mean, I'm a brand new Christian. I'm still trying to work through the Bible. And they said, well, why don't you apply? I applied. I was received. And the first thing I had to do was go spend the summer learning Koine Greek, the Bible Greek, not to speak it, but to write it, to read it. You learned 100 words a day, five days a week for 10 weeks. And that kind of memory wasn't hard at all. The difficulty was this. Linda and I had a very limited income. Neither of us were working. We had saved up so we could go to seminary. The church was paying for the education. But we had to eat and live and pay rent. And we were running out of money to the point that now we were on food stamps. And I said, well, maybe we misunderstood God. You know, maybe this is not what he wanted us to do. And that's that opposing force coming to say, no, no. What the pastor and your elders saw in you is not right. You just need to go back being whatever it was you were before. Don't go this route. You'll never make any money. Look, you can see that right now. You're broke. What are you going to do? And so I said to my wife, let's go in and talk to the head of the department here who's running the Greek, and we'll let him know that we're leaving. So we went in, and sitting in front of Dr. Paul Fowler and I said, Dr. Fowler, I, I hate to do this, but Linda and I do not believe that we are called to come to seminary. Now, this is a true story. Wouldn't lie to you. Phone rings. He picks it up. Yes, okay. Mm hmm. Sure. He hangs up. He said, You're called. <laughs> I said, What are you talking about? He said, You're preaching this Sunday in Liberty, Mississippi. I said, I've never preached before. He said, they don't know that. (laughs) And he said, not only that, but they're going to pay you. They're going to give you $100 to preach there. Now, this is 1976. That's a lot of money in 1976. And I thought, wow, this, well, honey, we can stay another week at least. For three years, I preached every Sunday. The last year, I actually pastored a church. Because, you see, Satan may come against and try to confuse you and get you to a point where you're going to say, well, this is probably not something I should do. But if you'll wait upon the Lord, if you'll seek counsel from the Lord, if you'll talk among yourselves, if you will pray, God will speak clearly to you and he'll make the pathway straight. I'm hearing it now. You can't win in mid-Michigan. You're not going to be able to accomplish this. This thing's going to fall apart, and, and things will come against us to make us think that maybe that's true. But let me tell you, accusations versing advance, accusations from evil versus advancing God's kingdom, whose side is God on? God is on our side. We cannot lose in what God is calling us to do if we are obedient to him, if we we follow what God's calling us to do. We're called to reach lost people. That's it. That's the bottom line. There's no other issue here at all. We want the lost to be found. How are they found? By you and by me. By us taking this gospel message and telling everybody we hear and see about it. I met someone yesterday in a store that attends the church and She recognized me and said hello, and I was getting help from a clerk, and and the clerk was talking about an issue of heaven. And I knew what I had to say. I said, well, as long as you love Jesus, you'll get to heaven. I knew that wasn't her down red uh, bedrock belief because in the conversation she was having, we know everybody goes to heaven. They just need to agree with God. And I said, everybody who believes in Jesus goes to heaven. And I said it in love. I happened to be talking to my wife because this clerk was helping me get something. My wife said, let me talk to her. <laughs> Afterwards, she gave me the phone back. I put it in my pocket, and the lady said, so where is your church? You know, I don't know if she's going to come or not. But you see, every opportunity you have, you need to be right on the edge of taking advantage of telling other people how much Jesus Christ loves them because he loves you. And you've seen that love in so many ways in your life. Rick Warren said this, the way you store up treasures in heaven is by investing in getting people there. That's what advance is all about. It's about you coming closer to God so that he can use you to invest in others out there so that they can come close to God. What an interesting way for God to run his kingdom. Missionary Amy Carmichael said this, and this is where opposition comes from. She said, Satan is so much more earnest than we are, he buys up opportunity while we are wondering how much it will cost. Let that sink in for a minute. See, he sees it coming. Do you think this was a surprise to him? No. He heard in the heavenlies that God had spoken into community church that we were going to go down and we were going to rebuild the walls. Satan knew when Nehemiah was on his way. He told Sanballat. Sanballat was ready and started ridiculing him for all the things that they were doing. Trying to convince him that this is a meaningless effort of your time and all these people's time and the money it's going to take. You don't need to be doing this, Sanballat is saying with Tobiah, his buddy. But Nehemiah held true. Nehemiah wanted to invest in the walls to rebuild Jerusalem. God wants you and me to invest in the kingdom as he continues to build it on this earth. So who's going to oppose you? I don't know who or what is going to bring opposition to you. But I just want to warn you right now, it's coming. And so when it comes, don't be shocked. Just smile and pray and say, I was waiting for you, but I have an answer for you. It's the answer this old evangelist used to give. You don't have any problems. God is on your side. There's nothing that can oppose you. Because nothing can separate us from the love of God. You know nothing alive nothing dead nothing up nothing down nothing in the spirit world nothing can separate us so we've got the victory in Christ Jesus and therefore as obedient followers of Christ we're about to take a step of faith and our faith is in him that he will help us when that opposition comes so what do we do well we have to prepare for battle how do you do that Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 4, hear us, our God, for we are despised. Turn their insults back on their own heads. Give them over as plunder in a land of captivity. What's he doing? He's doing the same thing Christ did every single day of his life. What we read about with Jesus, not just the content of his messages, but the fact that they would always find him in prayer. He was constantly in the presence of God. Why? Because he wanted to know the will of the Father. He wanted to know, now today is a new day, Father. We've spoken of this before. And I need to know what you want me to accomplish today. And so his his prayers were always in the face of God. The Apostle Paul says to you and to me, you put on the full armor of God, and when you study that full armor, you're actually... Securing yourself inside of Christ, it's his righteousness, it's his helmet of salvation, you know, it's his belt of truth. So you're inside of Christ, and then he tells you to to pick up the sword of the spirit and, and the word of God, and then do what? Pray. You see, prayer is really the weapon. It's not a sword, it's prayer. Prayer is the offering up. Of all of your desires, your positive needs and things that you believe you need to accomplish God's purposes. And and you're praying to God and you're saying, according to your perfect will, Lord, let it be done. Please send me the answer. So you need to pray about your role in advance. I mean, some of you are going to stay right here. You're going to continue to be active, just wonderful people participants in the ministry at this campus some of you are going to go to the new campus and be wonderful participants there and some of you are going to be doing things in the world to help the world get better whatever it is don't do it unless you prayed about it first because you see prayer is your weapon prayer is that which secures you in the will of god It's what helps you have that open line so that if you're moving in a direction, you should not be moving. You say, Lord, if I'm moving in the wrong direction, please straighten me back out. Let me walk that narrow path. If you believe God's calling, you walk that path. And you walk it until God says, okay, I need you to take a right here. Because that's what Nehemiah did. As, As he came down to the wall, he saw the destruction of the wall. Do you know that that wall give you the dimensions of it because it was amazing to me when you think about it. It was 40 feet high and 8 feet thick. We're not talking about a little wall that you and I might build out back. 40 feet high, 8 feet thick, two and a half miles long. It had 34 towers and 7 gates. This is what he's rebuilding. This is a huge project. And what he understood was Without faith in God, it's impossible. I need God's help to make this happen. Tobiah and Sanballat, they want to destroy what we're doing. I don't know if there are any individuals that want to destroy what we're doing, but there are certainly movements of evil that want to keep us from doing it. But God has called us to make it work. He's called us to to get it to where it needs to be. So we pray. We know the enemy. Jesus knew the enemy that he was dealing with, but it was by his generosity that he gave himself to pay the price that you and I owe. So really the starting point for advance is the acceptance of Christ into your own life. If you've never acknowledged him as Lord and Savior, then you're in the enemy's camp. You may not realize that, but you are. But you're being invited into the king's camp. You're being invited into salvation that lasts eternally. Will you accept that? If you haven't accepted it yet, now's the time to do that. Just say, God, I want to be yours. I want Jesus in my life. Because that's how we prepare for war. You can't win the war outside of Christ. But you can win the war in Christ. The first thing I learned about generosity was about two months after I had become a Christian, my pastor said, now, I want to teach you something about tithing. And I said, what's that? He said, well, he said, for starters, you give 10% of what you make to the church. And I said, okay. So I'm working as a private investigator for a law firm, and there's a man working with me by the name of Danny, Danny has a deep, deep hatred for God. He was in a motorcycle accident as a policeman and he was burned over 90% of his body. He blamed God for that, so he hated God. And all he wanted out of life was money and things. He was wearing bling before bling was even called bling. So one day I'm sitting in our little office and I'm writing my tithe check $15. Because I made $150 a week. And he walked in. He said, what's that? I said, well, this is for the church. He said, what do you get for that? I said, well, I don't get anything for it. He said, and that's a stupid investment. He said, you see this Rolex? He said, you see all this gold? You see this 9 millimeter? You know, he said, I got all of that. And someday I'm going to have a house on the same street that Judge Fuller, who founded this law firm, where he lives, I'm going to be there. What are you going to get for that $15? I said, Danny, I don't expect to get anything. I'm doing this out of gratitude to God. He just laughed it off. I went off to seminary. Two years later, my pastor called and said, we need you and Linda down here for the summer. Now, Linda was seven months pregnant. And I said, well, what are we going to do? He said, well, I don't know where you'll live I don't know that we'll be able to pay you anything, and I'm not sure how you're going to get around, but I really need you to come. Linda and I prayed, and we said, all right, our pastor's calling. We're going. So I got down there, In the first two weeks, I lived with a widow. And I drove a little moped. If you could have seen me, big me in a blue suit and a briefcase on a moped, it'd be like on mission going 30 miles an hour. And people were laughing at me. I know. It was okay. And then one day, pastor called me and he said, come in here. He said, I'm moving you from there to another place. He said, there's a man who's become a Christian a few months ago and he's going to be leaving town and he would like for you to stay at his place. I said, okay. He said, so here are the keys to the home and here are the keys to the Lincoln and here are the keys to the boat and here are the keys to the tennis court. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm glad I came back this summer. This is going to be fun. I said, who is this? He said, it's Judge Fuller's home. <laughs> I said, really? Yeah, that's, that's neat. He said, now, the only thing is, people come from time to time and ask you if they can turn the lights on on the tennis court and you have to give them permission. I said, yeah, big problem. Nothing to worry about. So I'm there a few days and there's a knock on the door and I open the door and there stands Danny. Danny. Now, in language that I've never been able to put together before with a ton of expletives, he asked me, what are you doing here? He said, I live right down the road. So he achieved his goal, didn't he? The only thing I could think of, and I I repent for having said this, but I said, well, Danny, this is what $15 will get you. You see, God has a plan. I didn't know what that plan would be. I wasn't doing that to get something. I was giving because God said, be generous and I'll take care of you. And I'm going to take care of you anyway, but if you're generous, I'll take care of you. And he always has. And it hasn't been easy. Neither has it for you. None of us have it made because it requires faith to continue to live it. But I believe this. I believe that God is doing something great here. I believe that we are on the verge of revival, depending on how you want to define revival. Do you know that last week, we set a new attendance record for the history of this church, apart from Easter and Christmas. We had on this campus last Sunday, 1,855 people. Praise God. God did that. I love it that my God's in charge. I love favorite passage in scripture. One of them is is Joshua 5 where Joshua turns around and said, whose side are you on? It's Jesus. Jesus basically says, neither. He said, I didn't, he didn't say this, but this is what he's implying. I didn't come to take sides. I came to take over. And that's what he's doing. He's taking over. He owns this. This is his. Advance is his. It's not ours. It's not some, thing that a few people thought up. This is God speaking into us what we need to do. Max Lucado said, "When you focus on giants, you stumble. If you focus on God, giants tumble." So, we know it's coming. We know we need to prepare. Thirdly, let's get the victory. I'm going to read just a portion of this next section of the scripture from Nehemiah 4:13. Just going to read 13 and 14. Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords, spears, and bows. After I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who is great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. You see, that's what we are doing. We are planting seeds that are going to grow into trees that someday you and I will sit under, but not just us. Our children will sit under them. Our grandchildren will sit under them. That's what we're looking for is advancing the gospel. Jesus won the ultimate victory, the most selfless act in all of history, the greatest act of generosity ever when he died for you and for me. So we are responsible in the face of God's sovereignty. We are responsible to do what God is calling us to do. We have an investment that we have to make. I'm not just talking about money here. We need to invest in a trust in God last story from my life two of our daughters ended up in college at the same time one is a senior one as a freshman if you've had that double or triple hit before you know where I'm going with this it's a very expensive thing to do my wife was teaching all day during the morning and she was working at night in another place We were trying to make it work. I was a pastor just trying to make it work. I did a little few things on the side to help bring in more income. And we just wondered, how are we going to be able to continue this pace? Will we be able to get what God wants us to get? So we went to prayer. Lord, would you show us how you want us to accomplish this? Because we sent them to a Christian university. That's where we believed God wanted them to go. We prayed and we prayed. We worked, we worked, we invested. One day, I went to the post office. We have a PO box instead of a mailbox out in front of our house because the first six months we lived in our house, it got torn down three times and burned once because they found out a pastor lived there. So I go out to the post office and open the box and pull out all the mail. And there's this letter from a brokerage firm. And I'm thinking, where did they get my name? I don't have stock, and I'm not going to invest in any stock almost threw it away, and I said, well, I better see what it is. Open it up and take it out, and when I take it out, a check falls out. And I picked the check up, and I looked at it, and it was actually made out to me. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a scam, because you've gotten those before, haven't you? you? know, Just this last week, I got an email from Nigeria. I have over a million dollars waiting for me. <laughs> <laughs> this is what the letter said. You're never going to know who gave this money. But you can never tell anyone how much it is. But you can tell them that it came from God, and it will cover your children's education for the next three years. For three years, every month, that check came. Our children's education through college was totally paid for. On the 37th month, that's one month after three years, I go to the post office, you know, maybe. (laughs) there's one more. (laughs) Never again. That was God. God did that. You know, so I praise God because he knows what I need more than I know what I need. He knows what this community needs more than all of us together. He has plans for us to prosper us in what way? Maybe some of you financially, but I think that passage out of Jeremiah really means more that we're going to get so close and filled up with God's spirit to be able to do God's work that the kingdom is going to flourish and revival is going to come if we accept the challenge of advance. Charles Wesley said, catch on fire with enthusiasm and people will come from miles around to watch you burn. That's what we're going to do. This afternoon... We're going back down to Alma to practice the setup again. It's been very exciting down there for those of you who've been able to be there. But there's something even more exciting today. At four o'clock, a group of people are meeting out front and they're going to march around that building seven times and they're going to pray because the battle's on and we need to win the battle. We are advancing the kingdom and we're not going to stop till it's done because 56 days from today, We open the doors in Alma. We are not, we are advancing the kingdom. We won't stop till it's done. I want us to say this together. Let's stand to do that. And mean it when you say it. We are advancing the kingdom and we won't stop until it's done. Say it again. Lord Jesus, we pray right now that you are advancing the kingdom in our midst, bringing the lost to salvation. Those who have accepted you this morning, that they are now on that new journey. And for the rest of us, Lord, as we pray, as we face that opposition, as we look at your hand moving in our lives, and we acknowledge how powerful and great you are, use us, Lord, each one, to advance the kingdom through generosity. We praise you, Lord. And we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Make sure you come back next week.